Welcome to the Brave Little Podcast. Coming from California, here's Aaron Alvarado and David Stauffer. Welcome to the Brave Little Podcast. The best pod of the year, the end of year top 10 <laughs> pod is here. And I'm joined by Aaron Alvarado and Shannon Williams. Guys, how are you doing? Whoa, wait. Great. One guy, one girl. Sorry, sorry. <laughs> Come Let's on. acknowledge that, please. <laughs> doing great. How you doing, David? Shannon, great, how you doing? Great. great. Aaron, Aaron. I hope gone. you feel comfortable now. This it, is no, a safe look, space. You have kept this pod oh, woke, uh, Aaron, since the beginning. And, and those efforts I sincerely appreciate. That's my cut. New Year's resolution for 2020. <laughs> be as woke as possible. Oh, good. Well, uh, forg- forgive me. I just narrowly escaped the fires of Australia to be here, by the way. So I'm just grateful yeah. to be alive and healthy. And who knows how much smoke and toxins are currently in my lungs. <laughs> so. Oh, gosh. I saw those photos of like the fire singed koala bears. And I ex- mm. half expected to see one of you. Like oh. Coming out of the burned out forest, looking for a drink of water. Well, we thankfully did. <laughs> didn't see that. <laughs> we did visit a koala and kangaroo sanctuary, though. I kid oh, you wow. not. Um, and uh, overflowing right now with animals, of course, due to the wildfires. And uh, we paid, oh. uh, you know, ten Australian dollars to take a photo with one of the koalas, which, um, oh. which you know, went to the 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 relief efforts. I'm told. <laughs> so. Uh, but you know what it's actually illegal in new south wales australia to uh hold a koala did you know that no wow yeah it's amazing did not yeah so uh didn't stop me just fyi but it is illegal (laughs) so anyway um well we are going to talk about our top 10 films of the year this is usually our longest pod so i will do my best to be uh to practice brevity uh, but before we launch into our number 10s and, and we go around in circle, I do want to hear from both of you on which films just barely missed. Like, were there ones that really you thought for sure were going to make your list but didn't? Uh, th- those kind of bubble movies. Uh, Shannon, was it? How many did you have? Yeah. Um, so I did my list one through 20. <laughs> I know that we're doing 10. Wow. <laughs> so I've got 10 left over. Um, I'll say the main three. Shannon, what was today. your GPA in college? Can I ask? Uh, 3.9. Yeah, Why? I figured. I figured. <laughs> You're just going above and beyond what the assignment was. So yeah, that tracks with me. So, you know, um, no, there were just too many. I feel guilty about leaving off. Yeah. Um, I'll say the top, like the three that I was really trying to fit in, but didn't make it in, um, Knives Out, Waves, and Booksmart, because I know you guys don't like no, Booksmart, and I really no, like Booksmart. Don't, no, put it on the list. Oh. <laughs> and so, I just want to say yeah, I really wanted that. it on there so I could talk you about should. it. I thought I was hoping you would. Uh, and I was, I, know. I was just going to practice keeping my mouth shut and not you know, say anything. <laughs> I, I know that you know we kind of, Aaron and I were out on it, but... To be clear, everyone else loves this movie. Uh, critical acclaim. Yeah, it's uh, great. <laughs> everyone I talk to loves it. Um, it didn't work for me, but so that narrowly missed your list. Yeah, um, seen it three times. I've revisited it and still love it. I also, I think I only have one female director looking at this list, so I also really wanted it on there for Olivia Wilde. Um, so yeah, I'm disappointed in myself wow. for that. <laughs> yeah, but. especially since I have more than that. 
Uh, yeah. He's woke oh. now. No, I'm kidding. Exactly. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Nice There's work. another one I'm hoping is on your list then. Yeah, because... yeah, it probably is what you're thinking. So. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> uh, I didn't see Waves, by the way. Is that worth seeing? Yeah. I loved it. It's really stressful. Mm. I feel like, um, Aaron, you've. I don't want to spoil what I'm sure is on your list, but we've talked about Uncut mm. Gems and how like chaotic and stressful that is. Felt like Waves was kind of a similar experience oh, for interesting. me. I was just really tense the mm-hmm. whole time. And I was the only one in the theater and I kind of curled up in my seat and let myself, you know, give really loud reactions because I knew I wasn't bothering anyone else. <laughs> um, so yeah, it's awesome. Just really intense. So Aaron, what narrowly missed your list? Narrowly missed for me. I have two that were just right on the cusp. Uh, Midsummer, which I loved. It's oh, like I thought that was yeah. for sure top ten. I know. I thought it would be yeah. too. It's it's like I you know I grew up a huge horror movie fan and and as a, as I got older I kind of like veered away from the genre. Not a huge fan anymore. I'll still watch it and enjoy some of them. But for for some reason Midsummer just like really hit me hard and I was such a big fan of it this year. It was just so so different, so completely different than what I expected and and I was a, such a huge fan. Did make the list. And also The Farewell, which I thought was another brilliant movie. Didn't quite make it on my top 10. Um it was a great movie. It just uh, w- didn't connect um as much as 10 other movies did for me. So um for me uh I probably I had three films that I thought for sure were going to be in my top ten list and are not in my top ten. Um, those three are Jojo Rabbit. Uh, I love Taika. This movie was so much fun. It's so funny. Um, I mean, we talked about it in our pod episode where we go in detail. The third act didn't totally work for me, but I still really do love this movie overall. So that's my number eleven. And then nineteen seventeen, uh, mm. I thought was going to make the list. Really, really loved it. Uh, and I know people are finally able starting to see it now. It's in wide release. Um, and then A Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood, which uh, great reviews, uh, 95% Rotten Tomatoes, because we know Rotten Tomato scores matter, um, but <laughs> not really getting the awards love that I thought it might get. Uh, you know, I guess we should have learned that, what, last year or the year before when the uh, Mr. Rogers doc didn't even get nominated. Um, for yeah, which a travesty. Apparently, the the academy hates Mister Rogers. That's the that's the lesson here. They really hate him and his message. Everything you he don't think for. Tom Hanks will get in there? I if so so he is the is the one that will get nominated from this. I'm just for, I, as the, the film yeah. won't for anything else. Probably I mean, there's not. Just, just not the. Perf- I think if there's a chance of any nominations. It's Tom, but outside of that, there's no way picture director. Uh, and, yeah. I like how informal you are. Just call him Tom. It's going to be Tom. Tommy. Tommy (laughs) Hanks. Mr. Hanks to you. Chet Hanks' father. I feel like he would want us to call him Tom. I think that's... Oh, yeah. He's absolutely... (laughs) If you were friends with Colin Hanks growing up, like you... He was one of the uh, Tom Hanks is probably one of those dads. It's just like call me Tom. Yeah. Well, he grew no, Mr. Hanks. Colin grew up here in Sacramento, so he was a buddy of mine. Uh, now nah, he's about <laughs> five years older than me, so I did not know him. And uh, and he grew up in Sacramento with his with his mom, not with Tom. So absentee so he, father. Oh uh, boy. Uh oh. So he grew up in Sacramento, but did he go to school there? What do you mean by school? Like uh, like K through twelve? Yes. Sure. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> no, he didn't. Oh, I have no idea. There's no way. I have no yeah, idea. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, Brie Larson, um, she didn't. Also, she similarly went to some expensive charter school in Southern California, but grew up in Sacramento. Sure. So. Oh, I used to have a coworker that went to school with Jessica Chastain. Oh, there you go. Sacramento she, native. Yeah, exactly. Another Sacramento native. 
uh, we will be talking about a Sacramento native later on in the pod uh, named Greta Gerwig. Uh, and so <laughs> that's a tease for the folks out there. Um, should we get into our lists? Let's do it. We, Shannon, yeah. you want to you kick it off? Yeah, I can. Um, so my last two, <laughs> I really stuck on here because there are movies I really loved. I don't feel like enough people have seen them. I'm not sure either of you two have seen them. So I wanted them to get some representation. Um, so number 10 is Her Smell. Oh. Um, so this, I would say, it, so the lead performance is from Elizabeth Moss. I'd say that's the most overlooked performance of the year. Um, in following Oscar stuff, I feel like everyone said, you know, the female performances weren't as strong this year. And I'm really ticked because no one's been talking about Elizabeth Moss. And it's arguably the best performance I've seen all year. Um, she plays a rock star called Becky something, um, who's an addict. She's a kid that she's not really taking care of. Um, I don't know. The first, it's kind of done in acts almost. Um, so really long extended scenes. Um, I don't know. It just shows her kind of treating everyone around her horribly, including the rest of her band. And people let her do it because she's, you know, the songwriter, she's the face of the band, and really the reason all of them have all of their success. Um, yeah, and she has to learn to come back from that and be a better person. And it's basically, can you atone for all of the terrible things you've done in your life? Um, also has my favorite scene of the year, which is just Elizabeth Moss um, playing the piano in this long take. She sings Heaven from Brian, Brian Adams, and it's just really gorgeous. And I don't know, it's again a very chaotic, like long movie. So maybe that's been my thing this year too. I don't know, but well, I'm a bit. Um, I've been hearing yeah. great things about it. I have not seen it, Aaron. I'm not sure if you have. Yeah. I have no, I haven't. Uh, it's not not a type of movie that I would go out of my way to see, but it sounds interesting. Now that you're selling it, so, so uh, good job. Uh, I, yeah, huge yeah. Elizabeth Moss fan here. Did she yeah, actually play the piano yeah. and sing, or did she uh, pull a Rami Malek? She sang and played the piano. Was her voice Ooh. great? Good for her. Wow. Yeah, yeah. with her voice. <laughs> yeah, we should give people Oscars who actually do the the singing and the playing, um, unlike, uh, unlike yes. Rami. <laughs> I'm. I've just. I've got. I'm really upset about that. Still, uh, here a year later. <laughs> so, number <laughs> yeah. ten for you is her smell. Yep. All right, Aaron. What's your number ten? Number ten for me is a movie that was not celebrated by the critics, Uh-oh. and I don't know anyone else in this world that liked it as much as I did. Um, but that's fine. I don't mind being out on an island. The movie is Hotel Mumbai. Yes. Yes. All right. Oh, I was hoping this is going to make your list. This yes, is so yes, cool. yes. Wow. So oh. Hotel Mumbai, I'm a huge, huge fan of. It's incredibly dark, really depressing, sad story. It's a dramatic retelling of the 2008 siege on um, the Taj Hotel um, in Mumbai. And it, it's an incredible story. This is a, a real-life terrorist event that happened. Um, and it's all about how the staff of the hotel – um, stuck together, protected the the, uh, the people, the the customers that were there. They helped them stay alive, and basically um, they fought off these terrorists. Just incredible story. Truly, truly incredible. Dev Patel plays uh, one of the lead characters. He's amazing. One of my favorite actors by far. Um, but, yeah, this movie is really dark and harrowing, and uh, it's 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 pretty gritty. I'll, I'll just put it that way. But I love it. Is it now? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Oh, yeah. You Go figure. Say. A movie about a terrorist attack. Is well, gritty. yes. Look, this wasn't the first movie about a terrorist attack, but it's certainly the first movie about a terrorist attack that I've seen where they really show the terror in an unrelenting way. I mean, this movie is brutal. 
Um, yeah. it, it's brutal with a purpose. It's not like uh, I don't think it's especially not gratuitous, but it is. It's difficult to stomach um, how straightforward it is in terms of its its violence. I mean, it, it shows it as you would suspect it would happen in real life. It really pulls no punches. Did you see it, Shana? I did. I love Dev Patel. He's was so my, good. He was my He's favorite awesome. part of that one. Yeah, without, yeah without But yeah, a little yeah. intense for me. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I would say it's, it's very intense. Army <laughs> Hammer also plays a small part in it. It, yeah. it was so. the hardest film for me to watch this year by far. I, I, I was texting Agreed. Aaron even in it because I was just, I'm not sure if I can make it through this. <laughs> now, I don't want to dissuade anyone from watching it because it is, it is a good film, but it is uh, – you got to buckle up. That's that's for sure. Oh, yeah. I do think it plays yeah. in there's themes of that film that I think uh, are very prevalent in many of the kind of big films this year. A couple more that we'll be talking about later in the pod, but um, specifically themes of the class disparity. Um, I mean, we were talking about a terrorist attack, but the film really goes out of its way to show kind of what that terror is rooted in or the motivation of those terrorists. Um, and yes, there's. Sure, there's radicalized ideology, but it's it's more than just that. It's uh, there's a major class warfare component to uh, the the terrorists themselves and, and who exactly they're targeting. And so, again, definitely a theme of numerous films uh, from from 2019. So, uh, my number ten is uh, the farewell. What's wrong, Dad? Please tell me. Manette is dying. She doesn't know, so you can't say anything. The family thinks it's better not to tell her. Why is that better? Chinese people have saying, when people get cancer, they die. We have to go to China. Wedding is an excuse so everyone can see her. He's my only cousin. Don't you think I should be there? You can't hide your emotions. If you go, Nana will find out right away. This narrowly missed Aaron's list. I, I love this movie. Uh, it's, uh, I saw this with Lindsay in San Francisco, uh, in Japantown, um, and a pre- interestingly, a predominantly Chinese and, and Japanese audience, um, who responded to the film in ways that was really fascinating to watch because certainly the, the, uh, those that were Chinese in the crowd could identify with certain culturalisms and other things. And they were laughing at things that I was like, I don't get, but I like, I love that I'm in an audience <laughs> that does. Um, but beyond that, the experience of watching it, uh, this is a film dr- written and directed by Lulu Wang, who um, had done, I believe it's a This American Life podcast episode on it. And yep. it's really, um, I mean, I had listened to it after, I believe it was after I saw the movie. Um, and the movie seems to be a pretty straightforward um, kind of autobiographical telling of uh, how her grandma in China, this is the main character, played by Aquafina. She lives in New York City. Her grandma in China gets a diagnosis, a cancer diagnosis. And apparently part of the culture there is uh, to not uh, tell uh, relatives when they have a terminal illness. Part of that idea is that if they don't know that they're sick, they won't get sicker, like kind of power of the mind. And this film is about, uh, it's, it's, it's heartbreaking, also hilarious, and uh, very heartwarming, but it's also sad. There's so many emotions I felt throughout it, um, and I was so fascinated by the kind of, I won't go into the whole plot details, but the ruse that they pull to get all the family in to say goodbye without actually (laughs) telling the grandma why they're all there. Um, But Aquafina turns in just such an incredible performance that I just hadn't seen from her. I think she'd done mostly comedic roles prior to this, and it was just a film that was... 
I just thought it was really, really incredible, especially for, I believe this is her first film. Is it first or second film she's directed? Um, I was going to say it's her first, but it might be her, her second. second. It is her second. Okay. But honestly, I'm just, I'm really excited to see what she does next because this I thought this was terrific. So yeah, my number 10 was The Farewell. So nice. number nine. Can I add yeah, two? Please. I saw it again last night because oh. um, I knew I saw it at Sundance and I knew this would be in contention and it's been a long time since I've seen it. Um, I I love, so I've been following Lulu Wong on Twitter too and she's a really good follower, <laughs> by the way, but um, there are several docs that I've seen about China, um, American Factory and One Child Nation. Yeah. And she'd had a tweet about American Factory that was like, this is kind of one-sided. It's still a Western like view, mm-hmm. um, even though it's, I don't know, a Chinese company that moves into an American factory. But so with her saying that, something I really appreciate about The Farewell is that I don't feel like it's either pro-America or pro-China. It's a pretty balanced, like... I don't know. It's never looking at the family like, well, what you're doing is so wrong. Like it tries to take into account why exactly they're keeping this from the grandmother. And so, I don't know. I appreciated that kind of has a neutral look on these two nations. Yeah, I mean, specifically, there's a scene that is expertly written um, at a dinner table uh, between two sides of the family that are talking about whether or not leaving the United States is, you know, if that's an okay thing to do or an act of cowardice or, you know, that... You know, the rooted these sentiments rooted in Chinese exceptionalism and American exceptionalism, and they have this debate that's, to your point, it's very balanced and back and forth, um, and they both bring up good points. And it, and you know, one side is saying, "Well, you send your kids to college in the United States. Why if China's so great? Why are you doing that?" And and they go back and forth. And I thought it was like really, really well written because of that balance. I was concerned though that that scene would be the reason why China wouldn't allow the film to be shown because even though I do think it's balanced, it, the fact that it even attempts to stand up, like even though one side is making a case that uh, America is not a bad place, I, I just know that the Chinese censors are notoriously um, sensitive. And it had a scheduled release date and then it got delayed. And I, I didn't hear an update of whether or not it eventually got released, but I really, really hope that it does get released in China because I do think that it would, you know, the I think it would get a great response there. It's a terrific film. So, yeah. Anyway, okay. <laughs> Your number nine. Yeah. Uh, so my number nine is Pain and Glory Ooh. from Pedro Almodovar. Um, again, I feel like this is one that most people haven't seen, but really have just heard about about because of uh, Antonio Banderas's performance, which is so good. And I feel like he's kind of on the bubble for getting a Best Actor nomination. And I really hope it happens because <laughs> uh, he's wonderful in it. Um, I would explain this film as being kind of like what Once Upon a Time in Hollywood is to Quentin Tarantino. I feel like this film is to Elmo Devar. Um, it's... Banderas is sort of Almodovar, <laughs> like um, him as a character. Um, Antonio Banderas is playing a director kind of later in his life. He, one of his most popular films has come back, like is celebrating an anniversary. And so coming back with a re-release and he has had um, kind of a feud with the lead actor in that film for a long time. Um, so he reconciles with that actor a little bit and anyway it does flashbacks of his childhood as well and so it's him just again kind of 
thinking through his life and um, the experiences that have made him who he is. And I don't know, I just thought it was a really beautiful film, um, especially where it ends up. It just, the final like shots of it really got me and I don't want to spoil it, but it's great. <laughs> it's gotten rave reviews. I've been meaning to see it. I have not seen it yet. Um, this is the recommendation that I think pushed me over the edge to go see it. Aaron. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, I'm going to, I'm going to go see it fun. now because I mean, I've always been a Banderas fan yeah. ever since uh, Zorro. So, <laughs> yes. Yes, <of> course. <laughs> so now I have to uh, definitely have to see this one. <laughs> uh, all right, Aaron, you were number nine. Number nine is the Netflix original to the two popes. Ooh, okay. Yeah. Oh, this yeah, is narrowly so, missed my list. That was number fifteen for me. This is what this was. To, this one totally caught me off guard. So I had good. no expectations to enjoy this one as much as I did, and it, honestly, it's it's such an uplifting movie. Um, and I, if you watch it, it's just really like life affirming. And basically, the story is uh, it's the transition of power between uh, Pope Benedict, who was elected pope as a, kind of a traditionalist conservative. Um, pope to rule in that style, essentially, or rule the Catholic Church in that style. And uh, he got embroiled in a bunch of scandals, uh, as the church does. And so he decided to step down. And in that transition, um, he handed it off to Pope Francis, who was a reformer. Um, he's very progressive, and and he wanted to change the church to uh, get with the modern times. And it's basically how these two men are like completely polar opposites. The way that they view their faith is completely different. Um, but they have a, uh, a bond, a unity. And this, this, sto- this story is all about how they develop a friendship and how they have this connection um, where they see this, this common ground between their two um, different opposing viewpoints of how the Catholic Church should move forward um, into the future or into the present day and in the future going forward. So it's a really interesting story. I think uh, the, the two performances are incredible jonathan price plays uh pope francis and uh anthony hopkins plays pope benedict and they're just i mean these two are masters they um the story itself is very simple but it's also complicated because of the overarching themes and you know all the um the intrigue of the church and the scandals involved they don't really go into the scandals too much but if you know anything about the church yeah. and pope benedict um you kind of know that some Watch really spotlight. bad stuff took yeah. place yeah. <laughs> i mean yeah i've seen spotlight so yeah. Yeah, uh, this is a companion. This is a yeah. companion piece uh, to the movie Spotlight. Um, so yeah, it's just a really interesting story. I thought they, they shot it beautifully. Um, they recreated. I don't know if you've seen any of the behind the scenes stuff. The way they recreated the the the, the Vatican, incredible. Okay, I mean so basically that wasn't the actual Sistine Chapel they filmed. In? No, no, it wasn't. <laughs> yeah, no, it was all a lot of green screen, a lot of sets. But uh, it's amazing the amount of work that went into making this movie. Overall, really enjoyable experience, and I highly recommend The Two Popes. It's on Netflix now. So, Well, you, you recommended this film to me right before I got on my flight to New Zealand, and I thought it was a bit. I thought, oh, Aaron's not actually <laughs> – he didn't actually love a film about the Catholic Church and the, the current pope and the last pope. There's no way. And then, uh, then Skylar pops in being like, hey, look, it's good. And so I was like, okay. I downloaded it to watch on the plane, and I'm sitting there. Try not to get teary eyed next to Lindsay being like, she's yeah. like, are you going to convert to Catholicism? Like, I don't think so. <laughs> but like this, it's so good. This movie was so yeah. good. Like it stunned me how invested I was. And also how easy it would have been for them to have uh, villainized uh, uh, Benedict. Yes. You know, it'd be very easy to do. And and they they tried their best not to do that. They, they really presented his character. And 
you know, tip of the hat to Anthony Hopkins, the master, Sir Anthony Hopkins, excuse me, mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> who did an excellent job with that. And of course, Jonathan Price. Uh, now, Shannon, you're the Oscars expert here. Tell me why those two are not yeah. getting serious consideration for acting noms. I think they both are. Oh, are they? I feel I, like they aren't getting well, better. I feel like they're not getting anything, Jonathan, at least the run up to the awards. Yeah, Jonathan Price, it's because there are so many contenders for best actor. Like, it's crazy. And either way, I just posted, like, I really would love Adam Sandler to get in there, but I don't know who you would leave off because you've got Adam Driver and Joaquin Phoenix or Total Ox for that. Um, trying to think. Taryn Edgerton, <laughs> you just talked about Rami Malek winning for not singing. And yeah. Taryn totally did. He did sing, yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. So anyway, you have like 10 options, basically, in Best Actor. Um, I think Anthony Hopkins is closer. Um, yeah. But personally, How many of those nominees the have act- had the burden of leading the largest church or the second largest church in the world is my question. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, or True. put him in supporting. I guess Brad, Brad I mean, Brad's winning supporting. Right. Um, so at yeah. least give him a nominee. I don't know. I just I just thought both of them were so great. Did you like too many people? Did you like the movie as much as Anne and I did? I did. Okay, it was wonderful, and that's one that I wanted to fit in somewhere. Too. There are too Me many too. good movies yeah. this exactly. year. Exactly. But yeah. Um. All right. You ready for my number nine? Not really, but go ahead. Yeah, I knew, yeah, I knew Aaron <laughs> was gonna be like, "Easy, slow down, buddy." <laughs> um. No, this is Ryan Johnson's Knives Out. So, uh, yay! I really love this movie. It's it was very popular with both audiences and and critics. This is not some high art cinema type of film. It's a genre who you know who done it, but a very very fun and, and in some ways very inventive who done it. Um, but I just love Ryan Johnson, who for me, you know, is coming off of making the greatest Star Wars film since Empire Strikes Back. Um, other people would categorize that Star Wars di- movie differently than than I would, but um, still coming out of this kind of the wreckage of the Last Jedi, and it was just great to see him make a movie where he had full control of the story. He wasn't handed off with these loose ends that he was responsible for continuing on, even though I do think he did a noble job of that with the Last Jedi. But Knives Out's just it was just a reminder of Ryan Johnson to the world that's like. He's just one of the great working writer directors right now. Like, you know, give, you know, he can make a tight, you know, this movie was made pretty quickly. Um, you know, it's a $40 million budget, which is pretty low for that cast. It's done great at the box office, but it's just like a great airtight story. It's hilarious. It's fun. It's fun to watch all these actors. And you're just reminded of the greatness of Ryan Johnson. And uh, it was just a blast. I saw it twice in theaters. It was one of those movies I was comfortable recommending people to go see and feeling like they were going to have a good time uh and so yeah that's it makes my list at number nine knives out it's so good it's so good it's so good Arna, Arna Diamis is like the breakout star I know Aaron and I were the two people yeah. only two people on earth that loved war dogs so we were familiar with her but oh, yeah um, yeah What's, what about Blade Runner she and oh that's right she's she's she the is a great 2049 yeah I forgot <laughs> I, a human brain played that, that role. Too. I just assumed it was, you know, some AI. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that's right. They she's fooled great. you. And she's going to be in Bond coming up. So paired up with Daniel yes. Craig again, which is great. Oh. So anyway, it Gosh. didn't make either of your lists then. Yeah. Um, like I said, right now it's at 11 for yeah. me. It came so close. Yeah. And I, I, I don't know how to talk about it without spoiling it. Yeah. But you think it's going one way and it, mm-hmm. <laughs> and it yeah. doesn't. So. 
I love, yeah, mystery that keeps you on your toes. And obviously he loves Agatha Christie and that kind of mystery because sure it's like a nice homage to all of that. So Yeah, it's great. All right, number eight. Yep. Shannon. Yeah, so my number eight is Midsommar. Oh, good. Okay, we got <laughs> good it on call. That. Yay. <laughs> so we get to talk about it. Um, yeah, I, so the first time I saw this movie, there's a particular scene in it where I came very close to walking out of the movie. <laughs> um, it is not an easy movie to watch. Um, it's very graphic in more ways than one. Um, but I thought even from the first time seeing it, I thought what a cleverly written horror film. And I love a horror film that's, it's really about something else. It's not mm-hmm. so much about the scares. Um, and this one is about an abusive relationship. Um, a guy who really wants to break up with his girlfriend, but she suffers this tragic event and he's not sure how to break up with her. And so he just keeps making her miserable by being a jerk. Um, so it's really more about that. Um, but I don't know. It's Sounds like Aaron's life story. Sh- it is. Yeah. yeah, it totally is. <laughs> Uh, again, I feel like so many on here, I can't really say much about it without giving away key parts I don't want to give away, but Florence Pugh is amazing, and she's another actress this year where I'm like, why is she not in the running for that role? I know she kind of is for Little Women, but she is so good in this, so... She's great in fighting with my family, or for my family, I forgot what it's called, (laughs) a movie that I shouldn't have liked because I don't really watch professional wrestling, but yeah, Florence (laughs) Pugh has been great this year, and so... I uh, I need to, yep. I need to see Midsommar. Um, I can't believe you haven't seen it. That's just mind blowing. I'm scared of Scandinavian. We all love it. You I need to t- go. Yeah, no, Scandinavian scare me. I don't know what to tell you. It really looks scary. So. <laughs> I don't know if I found it scary so much as just disturbing. It's incre- yeah, exactly. That's it, that's oh, exactly yeah. how I would describe oh, okay. it. It's so it's not a scary movie. Thing. Perfect. Okay, maybe I'll go see it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, all right, Aaron. What's uh, your eight? So my number eight is an Amazon original. First for Netflix, now we're Amazon. It's The Report Ooh, with Adam Driver. Yay. Okay, it's in my top yeah. twenty. Yeah. Oh yeah. So I have to qualify. This is not a. This is not a great movie. Like honestly, it's it's just it's very oh. paint by numbers. But interesting. The performance in, in it, Adam Driver is incredible. Like this, this is he's had a great year, obviously. So, but yeah. for me, this is his. Pinnacle. I think this is the the performance that I appreciate of his the most. I thought he was just he carries the entire movie. It's all on his back, and he just does a masterful job. Um, Much like the yeah, investigation uh, was carried all on the back of what, Dan Jones is his name. Exactly, yeah. exactly. So that yeah, he plays he plays the guy that's investigating um, the torture report. The it's that's what the report is. It's the torture report, um, and it's. I mean, we talked. Didn't we talk about this? Did we review this movie? I feel uh, like we, we did not. No. Oh, okay. So yeah, it's Adam Driver. Um, he's uh, Benning. Yeah, Ned Benning plays Diane Feinstein. So basically, he's um, he's tasked with creating a an over basically the over um, like the overarching report about all the the CIA memos and for the enhanced and, interrogation interrogation techniques. Exactly. So the technique the tech the interrogation techniques we used in um, Iraq and Afghanistan. Uh, which he deemed torture because they were like it was his responsibility to go over all the notes, all the official documentation, all the wires and figure out what exactly happened over there. If it was advanced interrogation techniques or if it was torture. And he determined that it absolutely was torture. And he he named all the names. 
He compiled all the evidence. He built this incredibly strong case and the CIA. Oh, spoiler. Um, well, I mean, this is like, this <laughs> is this literally happened in real life. So the CIA did everything in their power to, to not make this report come out. They sure so I'll did. just put it that way. Um, so yeah, Adam Driver is incredible in this. I mean, he's just amazing. The story is incredibly important. Um, if you have any interest in American history or politics or world, um, I mean, foreign wars or anything like that, this is... I mean, it's incredibly important today because it's still going on, maybe not at this level, but there are still elements that are um, obviously going on and all the secretive stuff that's still happening to this day. And it's just important to recognize what's happening on our behalf across the world. So watch the report. It's very, very good. It's on Amazon. So go watch it if you have Prime. I totally agree with that assessment. Uh, both the it is somewhat paint by numbers, but it's actually a very important movie. Uh, I found myself trying hard not to get angry watching it, um, and uh, but it's really kind of mind-blowing. I mean, you talked about this investigation. It was the longest at the time, the longest ever done by Senate subcommittee or whatever. Um, but the reason why you had to do it in the first place is because all the videotapes showing the enhanced interrogation techniques, uh, them doing it on these alleged terrorists, had been destroyed by the CIA. And so, which, you know isn't the most innocent of things to do um, if, you know, it wasn't torture. Um, so anyway, it's, it's, it, it is an important film, um, even though it is a kind of a movie with people in rooms talking for the most part. Uh, I, I was, it, it, Adam Driver's performance, like you said, carries the movie. It, it, it's definitely worth watching. You saw this one at Sundance, right, Shannon? I did. Yeah. yeah. And you should see, um, now I'm going to forget the CIA agent's name, but um, the guy who did the report, was standing next to Adam Driver, and the two look nothing alike. Adam Driver was Dan, towering over him. But is Dan? I hear Dan huh. Jones is like a, more attractive than Adam Driver, is what I'm told. Like he's like a good-looking guy. I mean, depends on who you're asking. Because you know how I feel about Adam Driver. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah, but I I was really moved by this as well. Um, I feel like it kind of has a spotlight vibe to it, even oh, though yeah. it's not yes. quite to the level of quality of spotlight. It's yeah, it kind of has that vibe, and I really enjoyed it. Well, right. enjoyed isn't maybe the right word. <laughs> I was moved by it. Um, well, all right. Uh, we're at my number eight now, which I'll, I'll make this quick because I imagine others will have more to say, but it is the Safdie Brothers' Uncut Gems. This is a film I just saw two nights ago, so this was the most recent film um, I'd seen that's on my list. I was trying to see it while I was traveling abroad, but it's not playing anywhere in New Zealand uh, or Australia. And uh, that was confusing to me until I saw the film and I kind of understood why, you know, eventually it'll go worldwide, I'm sure. But it, I, I don't know that it was made with an international audience in mind. Um, I guess <laughs> we'll see. But I love the Safdie brothers. Aaron turned me on to them with Good Time. Huge fan. Um, they're really, really great. Uh, and then the film before Good Time, um, I'm forgetting the name of it, uh, but it was about a sh- that homeless woman. She was a drug addict. Uh, why am I forgetting it? It's so good, though. The their films, people talk about them, their style kind of being anxiety-inducing, and Uncut Gems is no exception to that characterization. Uh, this is a film that like just dials it up to 100, literally from the first frame. Of the, I mean, the intro of this film is uh, very inventive, um, and uh, the opening shot... It's very... Uh, it's very uh, oh, what's that horror movie? Um, no, it's... So, it... Uh, anyway... <laughs> I can't think of the movie that it totally reminded me of. Um, the Exorcist. It's The Exorcist. Oh, intro. yeah, sure, sure. Yeah. It's just like that, yeah. yeah. Um, but anyway, uh, yes, this is 
Adam Sandler is really something in this film. Lakeith Stanfield is really something. Mm-hmm. Kevin Garnett is incredible, uh, in you know, in his limited screen time. But the time he's on the screen, he's chewing it up. He's vital, great. vital role. This is a film that is just a hundred miles an hour all the way to the very end, and uh, that's all I'll say about it. But it's in my top ten of the year. I look forward to revisiting <laughs> it. But boy, was it uh, edge! I was just on the edge of my seat the whole time. This was. I was pretty panicked throughout. I'm not the first one to describe it that way. But yeah, so that's my number eight. So, all right. Shannon with number so, seven. Yeah, my number seven is Uncut there Gems. Is. <laughs> so, yeah, so I'll just add it on. Um, I'll start by saying, so um, listening to the big picture with Sean Fennessy, he had been talking about this movie for months and he's like, this thing is tailor-made for me. It's got basketball. It's got gambling. It's got the Diamond District and all these things. And I kept thinking, wow, like all these things I care nothing Nothing about about at all. And so (laughs) I kept thinking, there's no way I'm going to care about this movie. And this is the biggest surprise for me this year, how much I loved it. Um, Adam Sandler's so good. It is really manic. Um, and it's interesting because it's not even like I'm rooting for Adam Sandler necessarily. He's a terrible, terrible um, person in this. He's an awful person. <laughs> and he keeps betting on stupid things. And I just sat there being like, what are you doing? You keep making it worse. Um, so, yeah, I don't, I still loved it though. Um, I, and hearing like the Safdie brothers interviewed about it too, they, um, it seems like they kept, they made a film and they kept making films to hopefully like build up their prestige and get this film made. And it just really shows that this is the film that they really cared about and spent all of this time like reworking and getting the script just right. Um, my other favorite anecdote is that they had no idea who Adina Menzel was when they cast her. <laughs> oh, is that true? I didn't know that. <laughs> She's so good. That's, too. That is what I've heard. Oh, wow. Um, which is hilarious because I'm a big Broadway fan and a big Frozen fan. <laughs> so I don't know how you end up doing that, but she's great in it. Like every supporting person in it is very good. Uh, yeah, I loved it. It's great. We, we will do a full spoiler pod uh, of that episode. We haven't yet because I just saw it um, because I got lots yeah. to say about that third act. <laughs> lots, <laughs> lots, of, lots of discussion to be had. Is there a third act? Yeah. I feel like it's all one It's all act. one act. The end of that one act. <laughs> Um, all right, Aaron, you're number seven. Number seven for me is another Adam Driver movie. Oh, they're going to say another Adam Sandler movie. I was like, murder mystery? Oh, I wish. Oh, okay. Yeah, I <laughs> know. <laughs> uh, Marriage Story. Whoa, it made the list. It made the list. Yay. It made the list. Noah Baumbach, what can you say, right? He makes movies where people talk a lot. And I love movies where people talk a lot. So this was, again, right up my alley. I thought... Um, just the two performances were incredible. They were key. I think uh, Adam Driver and Scarlett Johansson flawless together. They they play a, a couple that's getting divorced, and that's literally what the movie's about. It's just them getting a divorce. Sounds pretty boring, especially when you have friends and family that have been to divorce before. But this is like it's very relatable. I mean, this is this is reality of you know marriage today. A lot of people get divorced, and you have to deal with it, and you have to figure out how to make things work. And that's what this movie is all about. Or it's actually more about how things don't work, I guess. Uh, because most of the movie, they do not work. So it's just a great movie. Um, really great performances, really interesting, and a lot of shouting. Like there's one big scene where Adam Driver goes off. So, yeah. 
Is that Watch the, for the it. memed scene is your friend. It's the meme scene. Yeah, so, for sure. <laughs> Great yeah. memes. There's actually I recoiled in my seat yeah. when I watched oh, that bit. Rough. It's Absolutely. he's terrifying in that moment. Yeah, there's there's one funny part, uh one funny bit where he uh has an interview with like the social worker or whatever the lady is mm. who's uh who's he's he's watching his son and she's like there for a monster visit. That actually is really funny. That it's scene in particular is hilarious. But yeah, movie overall is just um, it's pretty cathartic for people that have been in troubled relationships. So yeah, it's it's a good watch. I highly recommend it. Marriage Story. Great. Again, another one that's streaming. So go watch it. Um, it it's in my top twenty, but did not make my top ten. It is good, very very good. Um, all right, my number seven uh, is Jordan Peele's Us. This is wow. <laughs> yeah. So it uh, came out early in the year, right? Uh, it's too early, I would say. Too too early if they wanted yeah. awards consideration. Uh, I mean, I don't know if Lupita is still being considered or not because she is dynamite in this film. I mean, really great. She's like on the bubble. She's on the bubble. Okay, gosh, she is so good in this mm-hmm. movie, playing two roles. Yeah. And so um, it's really. Oh, that's a spoiler. No, come on now. No, no, it's in the trailer. So that's in the trailer. <laughs> There's two Lupitas in the trailer. I- I'm safe saying that. No more than that, though. Um, honestly, we've, it's been out long enough. Uh, oh, yeah. I believe it's. I wrote. I, I've been meaning to say with each one of these films where you can watch it or stream it or see it, um, and I keep forgetting to. But this one is streaming on HBO. So borrow your parents' HBO Now access if you haven't seen this film. <laughs> watch it. Don't yeah. Don't pay money to them yourself, but um, watch this film. This I really really loved this film. I loved um, Jordan Peele following up the phenomenon of Get Out, which. Um, you know, it's a, a rightfully well-lauded film. I mean, you know, huge hit, uh, both a critical and commercial success. And he follows up with something that's much more ambitious. This is not nearly as straightforward or as lean as the film like it out. There's a lot he's trying to say and wanting to say. And um, I think some of the criticism of the film is that his message is a bit muddled in some of the symbols and some of the imagery and what he's trying to say but i honestly love that he's just like he's just swinging for the fences with this movie oh yeah i was all in on that um i mean look if you're wanting explanations for every single little thing what do the scissors mean what about rabbits what you know all of these things that are kind of going on without getting into spoilers um you're gonna have a bad time but um yeah as long as you don't focus on every single tiny little detail and try to dive into the larger themes that are being explored here. I just thought this was excellent. It's riveting. In some ways, it's very funny. Uh, it's certainly uh, devastating. Uh, the performances are great. The soundtrack is great. And I'm just, I love Jordan Peele coming out with his second film and, you know, reassuring us all that he's not a one-hit wonder. And uh, he's not the only director to have done that this year. Uh, but I'm just, I'm grateful to know that we're going to have a lot of good Jordan Peele movies. It's This is just not, not a one-trick pony, put it that way. So... I, uh, I'm assuming it's not on either of your lists, but uh, I, I had to get it in, so it's it's on. It's number seven for me. So It's in my top 20, and honestly, had it come out later in the year, it would probably have made it into my top 10 if I had seen it more recently again. Sure. Because I for weeks afterward, everyone was talking about, yeah, what, what did the scissors symbolize? And you could pick apart every single piece Certainly. of that film, and that's kind of fun. So, all right, we are at number six. Yeah, my number six is Avengers Endgame. Oh, whoa. <laughs> wow. Wow. which I know you guys also weren't as big of a fan no, of. No, no, it's my number sixteen. 
Oh, there you I go. Liked it. Okay, made it in somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, for me, it, it had to make it on my list because never has there been an achievement like this in cinema um, to have 22 movies kind of leading up to this thing and you having to have seen all of the other movies. Like, it references all of the other Marvel movies that came before it. Um, just, it's a crazy achievement. I did not like Infinity War. I don't know if I said that last time <laughs> when I was on for oh, last year. Okay. Um, but I wasn't a fan of Avengers Infinity War um, because I felt like the ending of it was pretty cheap. Um, you already knew because they're doing a Black Panther 2 and another Spider-Man so and that all of these people would be coming back. Um, but I thought that Endgame, the first half of Endgame almost makes up for that because you still, the characters don't know they're coming back. <laughs> and so you still see all of them working through the loss of half of humanity. Um, there are just some characters that I think each of them kind of deal with that trauma in their own way and in really interesting ways how Captain America leads a support group and, you know, he's this superhero, but in that moment, like, that's the best thing he can be doing for the world. Um, Thor's storyline, while really funny, is also really touching to me. Um, I don't know if we can spoil it at this point, yes. but when he gets the hammer yes. and says, I'm still worthy, yes. um, that really just means a lot to me personally. Um yeah, it was the best time that I've had in a theater. I went with a friend who we had watched a lot of the Marvel movies leading up to this. Um, and so we were just crying and laughing. And um, it it was just, there hasn't been an experience like that this year. It was just really awesome. So great. that's my six. I think it's great. Like I said, it's my number 16, I think I, think I said. Uh, the degree of difficulty to your point about the 22 movies leading up to it. I mean, so many things can go wrong with this. There's yeah. so much expectation. The fact that they pulled it off with that many characters and, and, and weirdly it felt like they were giving pretty good, you know, screen time ratio allocation. Like they, it was assembled in a pretty masterful way. Um, assemble is a pun that is intended. Um, <laughs> but uh, I, I really did like it. I, I think what took some of the, the, the edge off from me or, or I guess some of the uh, excitement away from it was the fact that just a couple months later, Spider-Man Far From Home came out and that was a film I actually liked more. And so it, it's uh. a completely different type of film and the fate of the universe isn't at stake or anything, but it's just certainly more my type of film. And so I had it. I have that one, I think, number 14 on my list. <laughs> so I was pretty high on that. But I'm grateful that Marvel does at least have representation in this pod for the top 10, although it could be number one on Aaron's list. We will see. So. I, I'll never spoil that. You're going to have to wait. Everyone's going to have to stick around and find Aaron out. Aaron is still deciding what his number well, one film is right now, by the way. Yeah, it's a toss-up. Yeah. Um, all right, Aaron. Um, and I'll add one last thing about that, though. Um, Rise of Sky... Having seen Rise of Skywalker... Never heard of it. think it makes me appreciate Endgame way, way don't. more that it pulled off and stuck the landing. Exactly. So I don't know if that's going to come up, but woo, that ending was rough watch a J.J. Abram... One penned and directed version of uh, Endgame? That would be something, wouldn't it? No. <laughs> I would not. <laughs> Just flatly no. Uh, absolutely, yes. Yeah. Uh, all uh, right. Aaron, you're number uh, six. Number six for me is The Last Black Man in San Francisco. Oh. Oh, yay. Love this movie. Absolutely could not have loved this movie anymore. Um, but it should be number one. The, I, I thought about it. So the trailer, I, I'm, I'm hoping it's higher on your list. Um, but the trailer for this one, the first time I saw the trailer, I, I knew like I was 100% in to this movie. Uh, it's very 
Yeah, it's great. I think uh, we've talked about this. The, the story is all about uh, how San Francisco as a city is changing and how, you know, it's gentrifying and the people that grew up there are no longer basically welcome to live there anymore uh, because they can't afford it. So it's a totally different landscape. Everything about it is changing. And, and it's all about how these people have to deal with that change. Um, and so it's, you know, there, it's a, about a guy who's fighting to stick around, to stay where he grew up, and um, he's losing that battle. So really great performance, great story. Danny Glover's in it. He's amazing. Big fan of his. Um, and a I San just Francisco thought it was, legend, by the way. Yeah, absolutely. He's right up there with Barry Bonds. Um, <laughs> just so, yeah, this is, <laughs> it's a great movie, and I can't recommend it enough. I, th- I thought it was just um, – it's like the prototypical art house movie that is like – it's made for me that I just absolutely love everything about it. So can't recommend enough. Last black man in San Francisco. It is streaming on Amazon. It is currently prime video. So. Yeah. yeah. All right. Uh, my number six is uh, the Irishman. Frank, I want you to meet my cousin, Russell Buffalino. Better watch. There's a lot of tough guys around here. Did he tell you? You're not afraid of tough guys, are you? Yeah. I didn't think so. I was one of a thousand working stiffs until I wasn't no more. You got a good friend here. You don't know how good a friend you got. Russell, he took a shine to me right away. Uh, So this is, of course, Scorsese's famously long Netflix movie. Uh, Thankfully, I did get to see this in theaters before I watched it on my phone. Um, uh, like just sitting in the bathtub, which is the way Scorsese, (laughs) as the meme goes, the way Scorsese meant for it to be viewed. Um, No, look, this is a genre that obviously Scorsese has mastered. But the thing with The Irishman is this is not Goodfellas. This is not Casino. Yes, these are the same actors. It's the same director. It's the same genre. But this movie is really entirely something different. This is a mobster film, but a story about a life, uh, a reflection on a life, a life of misguided loyalty of a lot of decisions being made and the consequences of those decisions. This is a film with Joe Pesci at his finest. This is really, really incredible. Uh, I Just seeing him again on screen was exciting enough, but just it was like, oh man, he's still got so much to offer. In mo- like, it makes me wish that he, he had the desire to continue to do this um, because he's so, so good. Um, I really, really loved it. Um, yeah, it's controversial for me to say that it was too long, but I do think it's, it was too long. <laughs> There's a good it wasn't. 45 minutes. It's too long. <laughs> 60 minutes they could have cut. Look, in theaters, man, it was long. And I didn't even take a bathroom break. That's how committed I was to Scorsese. Um, but uh, yeah, so I'll, that's all I'll say right now because maybe we'll talk more about it later. But yeah, my number six is the Irishman. Thank you for listening to the Brave Little Podcast. Hold on to your butts. 